You're listening to the Boise State Podcast from right here at Boise State University. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Brady Moore from the Office of Communications and Marketing. Today, I'm sitting down with Professor Mark Plew from the Anthropology Department here at Boise State. Mark, can you tell us a little bit about the uh, Desert Studies Institute? Uh, it was created about, uh, must be about 14 years ago now, um, as kind of a teaching institute. Um, and it hasn't uh, grown beyond that, although there are plans to do that. Part of it has to do with uh, things that have developed at uh, Celebration Park in regard to this new Crossroads Museum, which is really kind of a field station that we were involved in getting the, um, the funding for working with, with, uh, with the county. So um, it's been around for some time. What we wanted to do with it in time and place, and for the first three or four years, I think it was the... Um, it carried greater capacity than almost anything else in extended studies in the summer. Now, that's changed, obviously, for a number of reasons that you're undoubtedly familiar with in regard to the you know, carpet and things that we have. But um, the intent really was to bring something to the table by way of a, a common kind of thematic focus, but one that was integrated and one that was, you know, had a very strong academic commitment orientation. One of the things that, that we have always required with Desert Studies workshops, um, which cover a broad range of things, we didn't want it to be uh, limited to anything in particular. So anything that's come to us in regard to um, programs that um, have a desert connection, be everything from desert ecology and biology to archaeology, um, Sometimes we've had workshops that, you know, I wasn't sure would be all that successful. There's been an incredible ongoing interest in ethnobotany uh, in uh, Idaho fisheries. So we do a variety of different things just to that common theme. But one of the things that we've always insisted upon as we talk to potential uh, um, and instructors is we have at least one day on campus that's really academically focused, kind of on the hard side. And that can include, you know, lecture and demonstrations and lab exercises and so forth. And then we'd like to combine that with uh, an experiential component. So there's always, a, with respect to most workshops, there's occasional exception, um, a day in a field capacity. So if it's a... Uh, a bird workshop that Mark Bouchard is, uh, is doing, you know, it's one day on campus in the center and, you know, um, some science and then some kind of exercise that's carried over into, and no different really for the geology or the archaeology or whatever it is, so... That's great. And so who's the, the primary target audience for these courses? Is it, I know it's open to, to students and, and grad students, and then it's also open to the public, though, correct? It is open for, it's, it's really open to anybody. Um, I think uh, when the Institute was, um, uh, was founded, our intent was to uh, reach both the student audience, so the university audience, but also uh, the, the public audience. And it's clearly changed over time for a variety of different reasons. Um, <clears throat> Frankly, I don't think we have the student audience that we once did, um, primarily because there's such a um, uh, there's so many workshops now during the, the academic calendar, and so people can tag those on, you know, two or three workshops at no additional cost, oftentimes. So I mean, I think that's affected it a little bit, um, but there've been trade-offs. I mean, one of the things we have a good working relationship with uh, the environmental. Um, studies program, for example, you know, because it's uh, a program that fits very nicely with kind of credits that many of their students are, are looking for, and particularly during the summer. Um, the um, 
the public audience, we've encouraged that. And in fact, in the last couple of years, we've opened that up so that there is a different fee schedule or structure for people in the public that, uh, you know, basically just want to audit the class. So, you know. Um, so we want to reach with a, you know, uh, as broad an audience as is possible. I'd say that it's still largely, largely uh, a student audience. Yeah. Uh, we've historically had a lot of teachers, you know. Uh, the number of teachers that we have in individual programs or workshops kind of depends on, you know, well, not just topically, but uh, when the workshops are offered, you know, uh, because there's a little bit of a coordination that has to go on there with teaching schedules and so forth, which I think this year will probably be even more problematic given all the snow days we're still trying to make up for, but regardless. Uh, so, you know, it's a broad audience, um, but but different than some of the other programs that, that, that the university offers now. It's still really a workshop program. Uh, pretty focused on that regard. That's fantastic. So what, what do you see for the future of the Desert Studies Institute? What are your plans moving forward, hoping to, to grow that student audience to where it may have once been? Well, I think the, I, I don't know that it's dropped off that much. It just changed. We have a different group, uh, or what we've noticed anyway, is <clears throat> we have a different group of students that are taking summer workshops now. Okay. So that audience has changed a little bit. Um, I think the people that, are, that, that we're seeing on the student side now, uh, many more of them are, are in areas that are perhaps a little bit closer um, academically to their areas of study. Uh, that's particularly true in the environmental studies area, science area. Um, where formerly we had, you know, if you go back eight, nine years ago, we had a lot of students that were taking workshops in the summer, I think a little bit more just for general interest. So it's more of a public interest at one level. Um, I don't see that changing. I think we, um, you know, we continue to, to look to ways in which we can kind of um, grow it and at the same time um, continue to change the programming. Um, one of the things that's kind of interesting about desert studies is that sometimes, you know, things that you would think would be of interest haven't been. Yeah. We've tried to float uh, on more than one occasion workshops dealing with uh, horses. You know, Idaho having the uh, oldest horses in the world, uh, Hagerman, uh, and then the horse culture that has really developed here, beyond the kind of vaquero, you know, culture that, uh, that we had back in the 19th century. Caught it in a lot of different ways, and that hasn't been terribly successful. So you never know, but we continue to grow that. Um, one of the things that this past summer, this summer, that we're offering... Um, uh, being taught by Eric Jensen, actually, who uh, formerly taught at the College of Idaho um, and is a, a national authority on ground squirrels and that sort of thing. But he's teaching a um, <clears throat> Pleistocene mammals course, which is getting a lot of, there's a lot of interest there, you know. But again, it's a course that pushes up against the interests of people in a couple of different areas, and so we see that. So we're going to continue to look at that, continue to look at ways in which the uh, you know, the cost schedule can maybe be uh, uh, altered a little bit in regard to broadening the audience. Um, at the same time, uh, because we have a cooperative program with uh, Canyon County, uh, DSI is actually under a general MOA that uh, connects us to Canyon County and a variety of their different programs there, including uh, Celebration Park, <clears throat> the uh, creation 
of the uh, so-called Transportation Museum that's there, the Crossroads Museum. One of the things we've been talking about recently uh, in a long-term plan is expanding the reach of desert studies uh, into the other seasons. Um, so I think we're going to be talking about very soon offering uh, a series of workshops that are actually during the winter, for example. Um, it's a pretty temperate area in the winter, actually. Um, and in fact, I think some of the worst weather is actually in March. February is very nice down there. The beauty of the existing facility, which actually has, we're in the process of finishing it, uh, but it has uh, uh, presently a capacity, a 20-bed capacity dorm and so forth, a commercial kitchen, plans to extend that or expand it to a 40-bed facility, is that you can move people in and out and do all kinds of things, uh, even in the winter period. And so um, I think near term, that's one of the things that we're looking at. We're looking as well at ways in which we might um, develop workshops that are maybe uh, perhaps a little more directed towards specific audiences, uh, community audience, for example. So, and part of that is the evolution of the valley and the communities and so forth that we're working with, obviously. But yeah, so yeah, we're definitely thinking about ways in which we can grow that. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about the the collaboration with Celebration Park and how that came to be? Well, it came to be originally. I knew about Celebration Park. <clears throat> Tom Bicek, who was actually kind of the founder of uh, the park, somebody who used to teach at College of Idaho, actually as a zoologist by training. Um, but moved to create the park. We were actually doing some work uh, with the Bureau of Land Management in that area at the time that the park was really kind of coming into its own. And so that's the connection. That's how I met Bicycle originally. And then over the course of a number of years, as we started talking about uh, other kinds of collaborations, the Desert Studies Institute was one of the first to, uh, to, to come out of that. Um, so we created a... Um, a the general uh, MOA uh, that sort of laid that out, set it up. <clears throat> so um, that's it. That's how it came to came to be. Yeah. And we've just continued. Actually, Boise State has been involved with uh, Canyon County and Park there for a long, long time in a variety of different capacities. I actually serve on the Historic Preservation Commission, for example. We have a lot of ties with them. All kind of uh, all having been seated and following really from. Um, this early engagement with Bicycle and Celebration Park. Okay. So if, if somebody is hearing about the, the Institute for the fir very first time listening to this, how can they get involved and, and take some of these courses? <clears throat> uh, it's easy to do. I mean, probably the best thing to do, they're certainly welcome to contact me here at Boise State. Happy to talk to people about uh, about desert studies generally, and you know we're open to talking about individual workshops. You know that happens sometimes. Not too long ago, I had a call from um, uh, someone in the valley, and they uh, you know just had a really general interest in uh, you know local geology and was asking about a particular workshop or you know that kind of thing. So we're open to talking to to people about uh, about the institute. At the same time, they can talk to extended studies. Um, uh, they uh, administer the program. So while we put the program together and so forth and work with them, um, uh, they're probably the best contact in terms of asking questions about, you know, when we're costings, all of those kinds of things. Yeah. Okay. So. Fantastic. Well, I think that's everything I have, unless there's anything I missed, anything you'd like to add. 
I'm sure there's something else. Oh, yeah, there's always something. Yeah. (laughs) I think the thing about desert studies is that, you know, um, there's really nothing else. There's a Sawtooth Institute that you might be familiar with. I think it's kind of gone out of business. It was something that had, oh, I think it kind of grew out of the catch-up context. Uh, But it had a tie to Idaho State. Uh, But it was like very narrowly focused. Um, the deserts, there's really nothing, you know, there's only one archaeological park in Idaho. It's Melba, Celebration Park. And there's really only one, you know, institute like this with kind of history that DSI has uh, in the state. And as its capacity grows and as it expands through, uh, you know, cooperative engagements with Canyon County through the new uh, Crossroads Museum, um, just a really an endless range of opportunities, I think, to develop programming of various sorts that would be of interest to a really broad audience. One of the things that we were talking about that we've been planning out for a long, long time. Um, as soon as the you know the final touches are completed in terms of operationalizing the transportation museum, is. <clears throat> Uh, beginning to move more toward creating some research opportunities for faculty uh, who may want to use that facility in a variety of different ways. And that could be across the board. You know, one of the things that's unique about Celebration Park and indeed this this program is its location. <laughs> because it pushes up against almost anything that anybody could want to do. You know, we have, you have this unique geology You've got the desert ecology itself. You have an incredible archaeology. You've got the birds, because Morley Nelson pushes right up against the you know edge of the park, and we have cooperative engagement with engagements with all of those different entities. And so, it's really a, a very unique sort of uh, arrangement. I suspect eventually, you know, we'll be approached uh, by outside institutions wanting to come and use this facility, and you know. Um, so there's a lot of potential, and um, as we continue to think out, you know, about the range of things that we're doing now, but the things that we can, you know, kind of enhance, or the programs we can enhance, and the things that could come down the road once uh, the Crossroads Museum is fully functional. Yeah. And what's the so timeline for that? Hmm? What's the timeline for that? It's essentially, it's actually being used now in a variety of different ways. Uh, the only thing that remains to be uh, finished is uh, doing some grant writing now to get the, or to find the last few dollars to finalize the, the uh, dorm area. And gotcha. then that would be, you know, would be a lot of interest in it then. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic.